And I call them devils, these kidney devils, right? This is any team, truthfully, I mean, hand in heart, any team who can plot and implement and take down care at the moment, I, I do think it's kidney. Join myself, Will O'Callaghan, along with James Skehill and Paul Murphy for the best insight this hurling season. Now, if there's a figure of general fascination in football, uh, certainly Johan Cruyff is very much one of them. And delighted to say we're joined by Auke Koch, who's a journalist in the Netherlands, who's written many sports books, including... Always on the Attack. This was originally published in 2019 and it's been subsequently translated to English and is available as of this year. Always on the Attack, the biography of Johan Cruyff. Auke, great to have you on the show. Hello there. I suspect the answer is uh, plentiful. Why Johan Cruyff? Why write about Cruyff? Uh, Yeah, that's a long story, but... um... Well, the main thing is that, that of course, uh, uh, Cruyff in, in Holland especially is a, a kind of a myth. And, and especially when, when, when he died, you know, the, half, the, half the country was in grief and everything, like, like in uh, Catalonia, Spain, etc. And um, therefore it came um, somehow extra interesting for me to, you know, to write a book in which uh, the myth uh, will be replaced by the by the re- the real person that Johan Cruyff was. So that's and 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 as a par- paradox to me, I think it made him really b- even bigger than a myth and more interesting because who likes a myth? I mean, people are far more interesting than myths, I think. And was the myth previous to your book? that Cruyff was a perfect, wonderful person in every way? Well, not maybe not really in every way, but in, in uh, many ways, yes, because, you know, it's kind of almost as a, as a religious figure and, um, and, and very, and, you know, as, as, as a person, he was seen as a person of inspiration and, and, and as, a, as, a, let's say as a metaphor of attacking football, Etc. Etc. And um, and the, and of course and that's of course is a is a wonderful thing, but on the other hand, it it oh, to to me it 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 was really interesting to find to find out how he got to these ideas etc. and his and his thinking of football and 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 how and how he was in life because if also in Holland somehow the story became um, shorter and shorter. So that's why. I wrote a really thick book. <laughs> Incredibly detailed. It must have taken a huge amount of work. Yes, it was. I think I spoke to more than 170 people about him in in England, even and in and in any and in the US and Spain and Holland, of course. And and it was really big because not not everybody was will very willing to uh, talk again about Cruyff. You know, they they would say, "Well, I've uh, said." Already many many things about him in the past, etc. And of course, there 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 were lots of books to to read and uh, documentaries to to watch, etc. And, and and of course also to to uh, watch many matches as I could get get my hand on on uh, on the internet, etc. And uh, DVDs mm. because you know as a for a research, it's always far more interesting when you talk about football. To, to see whole, whole, whole matches and not only the, the high, highlights. Yes, because I think so I've it was only... Many, many, many hours. I can imagine. For instance, if we start with Cruyff the footballer for a moment, 
most of us listening and our listeners, have, we've all seen the highlights. I don't know if many of us of a certain age have watched many 90-minute matches with Cruyff playing. So what did you learn about Cruyff, the footballer? Well, if you, if you uh, talk about um, uh, really looking at Cruyff when he played f- football for, for all, all matches, and I'm, and I'm already a very old person, so I've already I've, uh, seen him play in, in, in the stadiums of, of Amsterdam in, in Holland for uh, several times. And I, I think somehow um, when you look at the whole matches and you see what he's doing or what he, or what he is not doing and the natural of things in his, in his movements, also in, in, in making, you know, in, in, in short, short passes, etc. then you really see how, uh, how uh, great, great he was, that, that he would not only use you know what many footballers do is the inside of his right foot, but he would also use the outside of his right foot, and he would also when when he got older and older he uses his left foot more and more. And and b- believe me or not, um, I think it was in his uh, farewell match in '78 that, that I saw for the first time that he made a really a wonderful pass uh, across him with outside of his weaker left foot. I mean, if you consider that, you know, that is far more uh, d- difficult to play a ball really good w- with the outside. And then with the outside of his weaker foot, that that told me, and he was 31 at, at the time, that he was really ambitious and, and, and full of self-criticism uh, in at every training and every match that he played. Interesting. So you saw him improve and hone his craft. Yes, yes. Because you know, one of the first things that I uh, read about his left foot that was when his uh, parents, you know, they they got uh, mad of the of the young uh, Johan uh, more than once because Johan was was very very uh, restless and 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 a nervous guy, not not very easy to uh, cope with. And then his his elders would say, you know, okay, Johan, stop uh, quarreling and 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 uh, chatting and playing with the ball. Go outside in, in, into the garden and go and, pr- and practice your left foot. And then he was about, let's say, sev- seven years of age, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so when when I watch Scruff play from when I when we have re- re- really pictures moving pictures from him, let's say, when he was uh, 16, 17. And, and, and it, it was really, really fascinating for him, watching him as an, as an artist, how he, how he grew in his instruments, you know, to uh, play a ball and really see him develop his, his insights in, in the game and using, and as in his 13s, you know, when, when he was, I, there were matches, when he was about 34 or 35 and uh, that, that, that he was injured at his right foot, so his, his best foot. And then he would go, say, okay, I'll, I'll play for Ajax then or Feyenoord. And then a, a whole match, he would only use his weaker left foot. It's just incredible. Wow, insane. Yeah. Something which always struck me about Cruyff when you watch him is that you use the word artist there. And of course he was such an artist and he would do very instinctive things I think on a pitch he would just react wonderfully to different scenarios and conjure up the necessary move or trick or pass so yeah. he had that very instinctive element 
And yet we also think of Cruyff as maybe the most cerebral of footballers who could talk theory for hours and would think about the game so much away from the pitch. You know, oftentimes the instinctive footballers don't spend time thinking about the game as much or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Cruyff seems to have been a potent cocktail of the two. (laughs) Yes. You know, uh, many times when when I give give, uh, lectures about Cruyff and my my, uh, biography and stuff, People ask me, you know, where where do you see her cry when you talk of the the, the Stefano and Messi and Beckenbauer, etc. Pele, where where do you see him? And then and then I say, well, if you combine uh, uh, a player and a coach and and uh, now well, let's say a philosopher about about his sports, then the cry is number one. You see, uh, if I if I ask you, what's the Theory, the theory, theory of Beckenbauer about football. Your answer would be very short. Mm. You wouldn't know, or or Di Stefano, or Messi. Has Messi ever really said something inter- interesting about his pro- profession? I don't. I don't believe so. Or uh, R- R- Ronaldo, etc. So Cruyff, all these these three. Uh, stages, I think, in these things, Cruyff is, is, uh, has been a unique uh, person, and and he already wanted to uh, love to talk a, 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 a lot. He was really a nervous guy, as I as I told you, and mm. already when he was, let's say, eighteen and a young guy in the squad of Ajax and Amsterdam, his uh, fellow mates would uh, call him a fl- flipper, you know, from the old uh, American. Uh, tel- television series about this dolphin who was making sounds all, all the time and very cheerful but also a little bit irritating at at times that's how that's how had they uh, saw him because he was talking all the time and some some of his t- teammates would say he can he, he can talk as as good as he plays the ball something i want to ask you Auka. so Cruyff makes his debut for Ajax as a teenager he is uh, Peter naturally talented, gifted footballer. How early on in his footballing career did it become apparent to his teammates that he had an incredible mind and that he had an ability to communicate his views on the game? Um, Well, um, for his teammates and his his coach in those days, it was Remus Michels, maybe maybe you've heard of him. And um, of course you have. And... and, um, I think it was, let's say, the late 60s. So then he was about 22. Um, he already was someone, something of a leader. Of course, there he, he was not a, the captain yet, but he, he would, uh, you know, change things in the in the pitch. And and then some sometimes even his coach Michels would would get would get angry because Michels had told the players to to play so and so. And when and when the match went on and Kraut was looking, hmm, things don't go well here. And he said to his fellow mates, "Well, if you go stand there and you go there, and I'll be here, and then things will go more smoothly." And then Michels would say afterwards, "What the hell were you doing, Johan? It, that was not my system." Johan said, "Yeah, but this was more logic." And uh, and and even at that young age, and, and that's because. That you know, as as um, his 
ability this ability to to see things to see the spaces at the at the pitch that that was the one of which he said that was the only thing i i never had to do training or or whatever that was that was just in me hmm. and 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 later on that was that would also be his first let's say his first uh uh, uh feature that that he would want to see in a in a young player yes is he seeing it and then what is it you know that's seeing what you have to do or you don't have to do and etc so you mentioned there uh, renus mickels and when people talk about the dutch team of the 70s and total football they mention renus mickels and johan Cruyff together the coach and the player working in tandem and developing this new frontier, this new system. Uh, that's an interesting insight that at times Cruyff would change things without the say-so of his coach. Mm-hmm. Who is the driving force of total football of the two? Or, 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 or did, it, did it become a, an equal partnership? Yeah, that's, that's often been a uh, subject of uh, debate in Holland. Uh, there were also you know, camps. Are you pro-Cruyff or pro-Mirols? That's yeah. all... A bit silly uh, to me, you know. They, they they were like father and son, but not. It was not a simple uh, relationship. Uh, on the one hand, uh, Michels really had a hard hard job in in getting Cruyff disciplined to make him more a uh, team player than uh, you know Cruyff in as a in his uh, character was rather. Selfish. When he was young, he was only thinking about making goals and uh, dribbling, etc. Uh, so really, Michels told him a lot about tactics and and what his tasks would be in in the in the field. Um, but at the same time, um, after some years, Michels had to give him the liberty to do as he pleased in the pitch because Michels wasn't stupid. He he, he could see that Cruyff was. Brilliant, um, and that and 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 that Cruyff really saw things very very good. And when you say to, total football, I think uh, it was in in, uh, in first place. It was a combination a combination of both. Mm. The first the first time Michels uses the the word uh, total football, and that's really interesting. That's already at the end of uh, end of nineteen. Um, 65 when Cruyff was had not yet had a had a had a had a uh, place in the in the team for 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 every week, uh, ben, but then he was more um, but then he was not yet thinking about to, uh, total football met those met those really fascinating dynamics as Ajax and the Dutch team would have at the beginning of the 70s. But in general, Cruyff of Michels was already thinking about you know full full backs go, going ahead and and attackers also really re- thinking in and cooperating in the defense etc. But it uh, beyond that it was Cruyff who made it more uh, look natural and uh, Cruyff was more than Michels always thinking about attacking football more than Michels Cruyff always saw the solution in an, in a forwardly way if you if if you know what i mean so michels would at times think well the next uh opponent is really 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 hard to to beat so let's play more defensive 
etc. And Cruyff would never do that. Cruyff, some you know, at the late sixties, Ajax would play in really harsh European games. Ajax would play five-three-two, even while in in the mid in Holland also they said Ajax was always playing four-three-three, etc. That's that's nonsense. Uh, but Cruyff, the, they hated that sort of game because then he, he would be the only player at front, only with, with his fellow mate, Pete, Pete Kaiser. So two only at front, and then he would not feel enough support from the midfielders. And he hated that because Cruyff at his, at, at his best, as, as we saw him, let's say, in 74, it was Cruyff uh, making combinations, switching places with uh, mid- midfielders. That's Cruyff at his best. And uh, and that, and that's what he added to uh, Michel. So the really, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the English uh, phenomenon, uh, Brian Brian Glenville would say that the uh, total football was being played by Ajax in the beginning of the 70s. So after Michels, because after Michels there came Stefan uh, Kovac from Hung- Hungary, and he was really a modest guy, and he gave Cruyff all the space that Cruyff wanted. Mm. And from then on, Ajax would also always attack. And play four three three, etc. So it was uh, in 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 the basics. It's what Michos, but Cruyff added really the pressing to it and and going forward with the whole team. And do you see that style of football that Cruyff uh, added to? Is that essentially the same style of football that it, the Barcelona team that he managed played? Um. I, I think the uh, Barcelona team was wasn't as as pressing forward as Ajax did. I mean, if you watch those matches from Ajax in the beginning of the seventies and the Dutch team in the, in those years in the seventeen, it was really the whole team going forward. But in Spain, it was always difficult to get the whole team as as brave, you know, because it's very scary to go forward with the whole team and you have all this space. Be empty empty space uh, in your back, um, so it and and they wouldn't change places as much as as Ajax did. So it uh, they, it it had some it had some elements of uh, total football, you know. With, with I, I mean I I remember fullbacks like Ferrer and stuff that 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 would go up front a lot, but it's not the it's not the uh, seemingly chaos at the pitch which made uh, Dutch football so uh, fascinating and Auke Cruyff managed Ajax for three years 85 to 88 and then Barcelona for eight years and he stopped in 1996 we all know he had uh, roles I suppose in administration or in the hierarchies of clubs thereafter but why did he walk away from coaching so early in his life well in uh, general in general you must uh, see Cruyff not only as, as a very strong mythical person, but also as a person with some weaker spots. And uh, uh, in contrary to his attitude of the pitch, which was most of the time very relaxed, uh, you know, if you, if you compare him to to uh, to our coach uh, Louis Louis Van Gaal, hey, who is who is often loud, etc. Cruyff is always soft. Uh, soft voice etc and friendly and open-minded etc but in fact the uh, uh, tensions for him were, were very very big uh, you know he uh, smoked a lot in, in his career also when he was a player also um, 
and 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 as a coach also. So uh, str strangely enough, um, he talked about quitting uh, professional football already after he was tw 22 because you know he was thin and not and not as big and not as strong and he had uh, migraine etc. So. And 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 as a coach, also it was really heavy for him to have these expectations all the time. You know, everybody wanted, expected his team to be brilliant and winning all the time, and that 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 really uh, costs a lot for him. Uh, so he was happy, as strange as, as it might seem, to hear this, but he was happy to quit after uh, Barcelona sacked him in '96. Uh, Mm. And so the last 20 years of his life uh, being liberated from all these pressures were the most happy uh, years in his life when he could do uh, things with his uh, foundation and, and sort of so he could be more relaxed. Mm. Strange thing, isn't it? For someone so involved at the top level for all of his life to walk away like that, I always thought it was strange. And especially yeah. because he would write his column famously for the Telegraph and he would still appear routinely, I think, in television studios on Dutch television talking about the game. So when you think of the love and the interest he still had in the game and the options he would have had to go back and coach in countries like England or back to Spain or coach the Netherlands, you know, all these wonderful options he must have had. Uh, it is extraordinary that he stayed away from the game, yeah. It is, and one of the maybe the question that I get the most uh, at at my lectures it is why didn't Johan go to the World Championships in '78? You know, he was 31 years old. Yeah, fit, he could do it. You know, why did why didn't he go? And it's always been kind of misty as many things in Christ's life because on the, the one day he would say this, and the other day he would say that. Why didn't he go? He could have made a champion. Uh, which he failed to do in uh, 74 uh, and etc. So that's, um, but things, things were, weren't that easy for him. Uh, you see, thanks to my wife, Danny, he would say, I have not be, become someone like uh, George Best. So I, 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 need, I need his wife that is always, you know, telling to me to shut up, shut up when I uh, talk mm -hmm. too much, etc., etc. And, and many people think it was his wife, Danny, who forbid him to go to Argentina in uh, 78. Well, the two, the two, uh, well, I'll, I'll call them rumors for the time being, and you can give us uh, your version. The two rumors which are most predominant, one is that his wife, Danny, said, you promised me you wouldn't be away for weeks on end anymore, therefore you can't go. And the second yeah. one, of course, is to do with the threat of kidnap. Yeah, but that was... Uh... Uh, the the threat of kidnap was there, but that was also there in uh, '74. He had a special age also because you know, as the world championship in uh, West Germany in those days was only two years after the Olympic Games of '72, uh, who ended very bloodily, as you know. Um, so those threats were always there, and also in Franco Spain, where where he played, etc. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sure that he only brought that, that up to uh, put his wife a little bit in the shadow of opinions and the press, you know, because pe people were always blaming her. And so he added up with this uh, threat, which, which was real, but that was not a reason for him not to go 
to Argentina. It was really a, a mixture of things. He already said during the tournament in 74 that it would be his last uh, big tournament and that it was not not human unhuman to do these things it's 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 it costs me too much he 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 said etc and 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 after that he has re, re, repeated that many many times i won't go i'll help holland to uh qualify for the tournament essay but i i won't go to argentina because i want to stop at uh at thir 31 and but but of course you know in 74 we have had this um uh, unglorious swimming pool incident in Germany where uh, Cruyff had, had swum with naked German girls and it was a big story in Bild Zeitung in uh, Germany. I uh, wrote a book also about, about this uh, tournament. This whole story about the nightly swimming pool thing was really true. Uh, no no uh, sex involved, in, involved, but the incident was there and of course Danny heard that in uh, Barcelona with with their three little kids and Danny was her her ambition her attitude was always like I don't want to be the, the uh, uh, typical f footballer's wife you know okay. I'm I'm blunt but for the rest I'm not a, a typical footballer's wife and so he he, he uh, shouldn't fool me and I won't accept strange things and Cruyff knew that, and Cruyff was really a family man, or we really hanging on uh, uh, Danny. So during that tournament already, he he was he was afraid that Danny might uh, leave, leave him. So I'm I'm not sure if he had to promise it Danny with explicitly in in the in those words, but I'm sure that this was really a big factor not to make her her angry again. Okay, did he ever express? serious regret about missing out in 78? Regret? Um, that's not like uh, Cruyff is, because Cruyff is always right. So uh, he he would bend things. Uh, people say to me, well, he lied every now and then, you know, because now he's talking this and then he's talking that. I say, no, he's not lying. He's playing with the truth. Okay. The truth, the reality for Cruyff, Cruyff is like a ball. I mean, you play with it and that's that's always the same so he he bended it like this that he he would say you know okay we uh, lost the final and and uh, sadly enough we we didn't play as good as in the uh, matches be, before but uh, but on the other hand people are still talking about our play and nobody and nobody ever talks about the german play while the germans won so in fact we we won hmm. morally uh, you know what I mean? I that's do. that's Cruyff. He would always yeah. he 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 could make a loss into a, into a defeat into a victory. Okay, you met Cruyff several times. There's a really interesting, entertaining anecdote in the book about when he was in his early fifties and he was doing Champions League coverage in a television studio, and you were there to, I suppose, uh, survey as he watched seven different matches on seven different screens and seemed to absorb yeah. everything that was going on. Yeah. Yeah, I I heard those uh, stories about Cruyff doing that, and of course me, you know, a journalist always uh, skeptical. So I said, no, nobody can be that bionic. So I had a, I had arranged that I could that I could be there at a certain evening at the television studios where where Cruyff was a pundit, 
and I was only one or two meters behind him. And I must admit, uh, it was all true. <laughs> so uh, the, 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 this part of his myth was uh, true. He would see all those matches and he would not only uh, see what was happening on these screens, but he would also tell everybody what should have happened on all those screens. And that the, this fullback is, should, should be a, a little bit more to the right, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, that's really bionic, and it's almost not uh, human to uh, do all this stuff. And 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 of course, when you uh, much when you watch some uh, football games with with a lot of people, you there's, there's a, everybody puts some money in it, you know, to, to predict the, the uh, outcome of the games. And I don't have to tell you who who won all the money. So uh, he, when when Cruyff after the games, he put all his money in his uh, in his pocket uh, or this or this guilders. It was still in the guilder uh, area, and and he would look at this. Paper with with all with all the names, you know, all the uh, all the only the first uh, letters of, of the names, and in and in say, who is a a K? Who's that? And I would go, uh, it's me. He doesn't understand a thing of it. I I I, I had I had all the results wrong, but mm. after that, only a few minutes after that, I was stand, standing there watching a screen with some some high highlights of one of the games. And he would come and stand next to me and he say, look at this, look at this striker. He's going to the goalkeeper and he's going to the left. Many strikers do that when they're alone and they go to the goal, they go to the left or the right, maybe to their favorite foot. But he said, then he makes the goal smaller, optical smaller. So that's, and I was, and he was talking like me, he was taking me very uh, seriously. And I was thinking, hey, bro, do you know who I am? Yeah. I'm I'm a I'm a nobody. But yeah. that's for Cruyff, and that's one of the, his really his most wonderful things as a person. For him, it 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 wouldn't matter whether I was a, a prime minister or or a baker or somebody working at the street or some or the postman to give me a letter. He would talk to anybody about football. He he said one of the nicest things is he said he was I don't look up to anybody and I don't look down at anybody in the world hmm. and that's and that's really a nice feature so i presume then he was an utterly sensational compelling must not be missed pundit he was but it wasn't always easy to understand him uh because he had his own way of putting things as and and but but somehow he would dominate his uh conversation with the commentator always like that also in the pitch you know the center word of Cruyff is dominating he always wanted to dominate where he was as a footballer but also outside so never an interviewer at at the television would say hey Johan what did you say there I, I didn't understand nobody would do that so so they would they would just nod and and etc and smile at him and Cruyff would talk and talk and he had his own way of saying of uh talking speaking dutch and when he was in spain he uh, he uh, did the same he would mix up words etc and then he said oh uh, but but that also had to do with his brain he was uh, he, he said well when when he was older he said yeah people are asking me sometimes you know i i don't seem to put things right but that must be because the the things in my head go so fast that it's already out of my head when I still had to put it in words. Mm. 
so things were going like like his brain was was not um, was not a system of uh, pictures but of movies. Things were always moving in his head, and it was not easy for him to uh, to really uh, tell people what he what he wanted or what he meant. A question, I suppose, which is about you and about Croy. So I was reading you as a journalist. Uh, Oh, your readers the truth and ultimately that is your your starting point when you're asking them to hand over their money for a piece of work like this and so for instance you uh, detail uh, Cruyff's infidelity and I presume this prompted a mixed reception given his status in the Netherlands that maybe this was a betrayal of his privacy so for you that's a difficult scenario to make a decision on do i include this or do i not include this and and you did yeah. include it uh, give us your thinking on that and and how was the reaction to something uh, so so private about someone so beloved being published yeah because um people were uh, talking these saying these things to me uh and and i'm i'm not a, a sensational uh, journalist or whatever um, and, I, and I should say, it's not a sensational book. It's not that kind of book. No, it's not. But when people were talking, then I was thinking, yeah, um, maybe I sh- I should write this uh, and not make it make it b- bigger than it is. But I have to do it because in his myth, and uh, because m- m- many uh, Cryf, uh, books about Cryf were ri- written by his friends in the press, he he, he always had uh, important. Football uh, journalist uh, French Swiss, also in Spain, who would who would act like uh, like his his uh, guards, you know, uh, etc. So, and and he was always put down as someone who was not always easy to cope with, but in fact, were a really um, decent father at home. And uh, like all the, all the other all the other players, they do wild wild things when in the when in the city. Of Amsterdam, etc. But Johan is always very nice and always a family man. So I, had, I somehow I think I, I, I said to myself, I have to correct this a little bit. And I mean, it's only a page or something. And and it's true. Some um, some of his uh, f- followers um, don't 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 like it very very much that I that I wrote this down. Uh, but in general, you know, when when uh, when uh, people buy a biography, they they know it's it's not it's not only about about his uh, holiness. That is, it really um, they want to know how he really was, and that's what I want to do. And therefore, I had to add this chapter also. But it's only one one page or something. And uh, yeah. but it, I'm not proud of it. I just it was just something I thought I had to do. Yes. Yes, and it's a big book, so one page is not a huge amount. <laughs> <laughs> and and I mean, uh, nobody's holy. I mean, famous famous men in this world they are, are hardly always holy. Yeah. So and Cruyff, uh, sadly enough, sadly enough, is not an exception to this. No, but but there are, I, I know several players from Ajax also from the time who went far far much much further than than he. He, he wasn't known for that, but he also he had his moments. Yes, well, I guess everybody's human and uh, that's you know, uh, to be expected in many respects. So what else would you tell us about Cruyff, the person? Uh, you mentioned the, 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 the myth 
and and so you've touched on maybe one aspect of his behavior there and you said he always was always right yeah Cruyff was never wrong uh, yeah. what else would you say about Cruyff did he have a temper did he um was he gregarious you said you know you mentioned he wouldn't look up to anyone or down on anyone give us a sense of the man well um what struck me was that he um uh first of all he had to be he had, he, had, he had to invent his own game as i as i told you he was as a youth player he was too small and too thin he had he had, he had a strange foot he had the uh, a specialist had to come to amsterdam to make a special football shoe for 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 him etc and he was nervous and tensed and not disciplined enough etc i mean if you keep compare him to to root uh Hullet, you know he was big and smiling all the time and and feeling easy and strong etc that's about the opposite of how crowd so crowd had to had to overcome his his incapacity almost to to uh conquer he first had to conquer himself before he could conquer the opponents and that's and that's really what struck me because this is uh, uh his weaker points made him or forced him to be genius you know he he, he would jump around uh uh defenders etc he had some kind of extra sense where where whether the danger would uh, come from like like a like a deer in the woods he would jump around he would like a, like a scary deer mm. and and etc and he and this development also about you know using all the all the parts of his feet and 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 his and his thinking that was to and, and it all came down from in fact not seemed seemingly not being shaped for pro sports uh, and 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 out of that grew one of the most important sports ever, and that's really what uh, fascinates me. And that, but that also influenced his all his whole thinking about the game. As once against the BBC, he said, "Football is a game you play with your mind." Mm. Uh, you know, for Cruyff, it was always mind, mind of a body, mind of a matter, and that's uh, and that's he, that's what he how how he looked at younger players. Does he see it? Yes. And his whole thinking about his whole, but it also his own character. You know, his the subtitle is always on the attack, and that that's what he was. If 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 I don't beat him now, he'll beat me. You know, like a street fighter on the pitch. So I I I have to be quicker. I have to I have to be I have to surprise him, etc. And then I can beat him. And that was always. As, as 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 he was as himself, the way he think thought about football, the way he talked about football, it was it was hardly he hardly ever talked about we have to play more passionate or or passionate or we, or or we have to run harder or something. Yeah. It was always we have to be smarter. Yeah. The solution is having is being smarter. If you stand here, you know, like he made uh, a Pep Guardiola, a central uh, defense player. He, he wasn't tall. He wasn't quick. He, he he wasn't tough. But he said, "Yeah, but Pep is seeing it. And if I if I make defense big, Pep is the weakest defender in the world. But if we organize the defense and midfields so that the the spaces are small, he's the best defender in the world. And in the 1992 Champions League final, he played with Ronald Koeman and." Guardiola in center of the defense, and none of them both were a decent 
defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's because yeah, but, but they are seeing it, and that's yes. and that's where it all it all comes down to. Pep is still seeing it. I think it's fair to say he does. Did <laughs> Cruyff have interests outside of football? Did he like politics? Was he interested in the world? Was he interested in the arts? Or was it a, a one-dimensional? Well, love? he was. Yes, he, he as a person, he was very curious. You know, when 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 he was when he would enter a plane, he would go up to the cockpit and talk to a pilot. Uh, how do you do this? And where are all these nuts, etc. But after a few minutes, of course, he would tell the pilot how to how to fly an airplane, mm-hmm. or in the bus when he was somewhere in the United States for the first time, whatever, somewhere in Chicago, whatever, he, he would go to, to the bus driver who was driving there for ages. No, no, you could better take that road. That's that, that's what's okay. quicker. That's because he, he was always right. Um, but having said that, he's all uh, thinking about uh, society or, or to run a football club or whatever, it, it all it, it 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 all originated from his philosophy on football. Football has made his brain as it was. He he was uh, hardly educated, and so he transposed the things he knew from the pitch outside of the of the of the of the football. Also, he he wasn't really a philosopher. Some some of his followers think that, that he was wise also in other in other spheres of society. I I doubt that to be frankly. We can overestimate that. Yes, we can. When, uh, if you allow me to indulge in a stereotype for a moment, when we think of uh, Dutch football at its most entertaining, you do enjoy fighting with each other. Uh, seems to be. Uh, Yes, <laughs> an aspect of Dutch teams. So one of the Sorry great beefs. We well, don't know. Listen, keep doing it. It's it's terribly entertaining. <laughs> one of the great beefs, of course, maybe one of the more famous beefs in world football is Cruyff versus Van Gaal. What is the truth of that relationship? Well, as as all the conflicts that Cruyff has had in his life, that's that's also a bit misty. Uh, you know, I uh, live in Amsterdam, and 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 a, a walk from uh, Cruyff's. Um, the home where he grew up and Van Gaal's home where he grew up was about a walk uh, for 20 minutes and and they both were raised by Ajax etc and their philosophies football aren't that different uh, if I may say so and but then again uh, you know Van Gaal told, told me when I talked to him about uh, for my biography of Cruyff he said be, before I went to uh, Barcelona, I had a dinner with uh, Rinus Michels, who had also been the coach, both at Amsterdam and at Barcelona. And Michels told uh, Van Gaal, Louis, know what you are doing, but because now you are entering the Cruyff e- area. And so uh, Cruyff was really a f- fluent, elegant artist on the one hand, but a real machismo on the other hand. He, mm. he, he could be very hard and uh, to to other people very very harsh and so it was it was um really brave from Louis van Gaal or maybe na- naive to uh, do the same thing as Cruyff had done na- that is to say going from Amsterdam to uh, Barcelona so Cruyff really really didn't he was really very very com- competitive in that and um it was uh, Cruyff van uh, Vergaal also for a short time was a kind of intern at uh, Barcelona when he, when he ended up his uh, his uh, sports 
a college in, Ho in Holland. And then there was some vague incident because as the cries are, were Danny and Johan, come Louis, come and uh, stay with us in Barcelona, etc. Really, really friendly, hostly people. But then so suddenly uh, Van Gaal heard that his uh, sister had died in Holland. So of course he packed his things and, and took the first plane to Holland. And somehow there was a there was misunderstanding of Louis having having not said sorry, but I have to go, or not having been grateful enough. Really, a small, unnecessary thing. But somehow after that, uh, Cruyff would only uh, write very uh, negative in his uh, columns in uh, Spain about Van Gaal. And after that, he had never said said one positive word about Van Gaal as a coach, you know, when Van Gaal beat, beat the whole world with, with Ajax in the mid 90s, with really uh, attacking nice, wonderful football, uh, etc. He, he had never said anything nice about uh, about Van Gaal. And then of course that hurt Van Gaal because Van Gaal was the second striker at Ajax at the beginning of, beginning of the 70s. The one who, who had a wonderful eye for the game, really great technique, but far too slow for the uh, for the pro sport, so he, he was the second man, and so Cruyff and Fagal is always very uh, complex. But I think Cruyff hasn't always been too too fair about Fagal because Fagal really is a strange person. I must admit that. But he he he's done some great things as a coach, also. And Fagal would ask me, which which was not after a question of mine, but he said, Auke, listen, of course, as a coach, I'm much, much better than Kruijf has ever been. <laughs> Put that in your book, Auke. I will, in the, in the next edition. <laughs> well, listen, we have uh, barely in our conversation here scratched the surface of this uh, very big book. Uh, it's full of great detail and it's been translated into English. Uh, this year originally published in 2019 so it's called always on the attack and it's the biography of johan cruyff Auke Koch, thank you so much for coming on the show it's very much appreciated it was my uh, pleasure Th thank you very very much for for your attention and everything and uh buy my book i would say <laughs>